We interrupt your broadcast to bring you an episode from the Stephen or Else Network of Truly Epic Podcast. Find more shows at StephenOrElse.com. Today on a very special episode of Event or Else, the Beyonder falls in love and learns a little bit about heartbreak. Here it is, folks. Pull the cart and break my heart. It's time for Event or Else, the podcast where I go through most every major Marvel and DC event, one issue at a time, one episode at a time, because, well, it sure beats mowing the lawn. I'm your host. My name is Steven. And today we talk about love. To be more specific, what happens when an otherworldly godlike being falls in love with a mutant rock star from Earth? That's the question we hope to answer with Secret Wars 2, issue number four. This issue sports a cover date of October 1985, but it hit the shelves in July. Wait a minute. Did I say last week that issue number three hit the shelves in July of 1985? Let's go to the tape. Secret Wars 2, issue number three. That's why we're here. At least that's why I'm here. I don't, I don't, I can't speak for y'all. Anyway, this issue sports a cover date of September 1985, but it hit the shelves in July. And the title of the issue. Yep, really screwed that one up, didn't I? So issue number three sports a cover date of September 1985, but it hit the shelves in June, not July. Issue four hit the shelves in July 1985. Yeah. Anyway, this issue was written by Jim Shooter, pencils by Al Milgram, inks by Steve Lealoha and Joseph Rubenstein, letters by Joe Rosen, and the colorist was Christy Scheel. Oh, and the title of this issue is Love is the Answer. In Washington, D.C., the Beyonder wraps up a one-night stand with a woman by the name of Sharon Ng, whom, it seems, is madly in love with the one from beyond. TB which is what I'm going to start calling him, TB, the Beyonder, TB, get it? Anyway, TB, after giving Sharon one last kiss, leaves her standing there in her underwear in his hotel room, alone with the knowledge that she will probably never see him again. Outside, he climbs into his flying Lamborghini and zooms off. As he soars through the sky, his Cuisinart in the passenger seat next to him TB ruminates on the idea of human desire, speaking his thoughts out loud into a tape recorder. It's not long before the United States Air Force picks up the flying car on radar and, thinking it's a missile as it streaks toward the White House, F-16s are dispatched to intercept. The F-16s engage and take out the Lamborghini, leaving TB with no other choice but to switch places with one of the Air Force pilots, leaving the car and the pilot to land at a nearby body shop as TB flies his new F-16 to Colorado, where he has a visit with Owen Molecule Man Reese. TB and Owen talk about the concept of love and how it affects humans. I wanna know what love is. The one from beyond takes in what Owen has to say, and feeling that he now understands what love is, I know what love is. He teleports back to his Washington, D.C. hotel room to find that Sharon Ng has committed suicide. He brings her back and asks her why she loves him. He listens to and takes in her reasons 
and decides that love is like a business deal and that he wants to get some of that, just not from her. Instead, in the span of a few seconds, he scans through all of the women in the world and chooses the Dazzler to give his love to, telling Sharon to leave. But fear not for Sharon Ng. Despite being so distraught that she shatters a mirror in the hallway with her bare hands, she finds love on the elevator. I think. It's, it's not really clear. Meanwhile, in Colorado, Allison Blair, also known as the Dazzler, is in a pickup truck with Oz Chase, a bounty hunter who has captured her and is taking her into the authorities. She seems to be okay with this situation, and as they talk, she's suddenly teleported from the truck and into a living room that's under a glass dome and is zooming through space somewhere in our solar system. TB is there, and he introduces himself to Dazzler, telling her that he's just recently learned about love, and out of all the women in the world, he has chosen her to be his main squeeze. She asks him if he can take her back to Earth, and so TB teleports her to an igloo in the Arctic, where he's waiting for her naked under a bearskin blanket. She tells him that jumping into the sack is not how she usually gets to know someone, and so trying to court her, TB first teleports her into the back of a horse-drawn carriage in New York, then to Rio during Carnival, then to an outdoor cafe in Paris, and finally to a mountaintop where they, to use a British term, do a bit of snogging. We was not snogging! The next morning, Dazzler wakes up in a bed in TB's home in the south of France, and then has breakfast with the one from beyond, who tells her Rather than use his powers to make her love him, he's going to play by the rules and woo her the old-fashioned way. He then leaves, teleporting to Canada to get her a special gift. He immediately runs into Alpha Flight, and they of course assume he's with their enemies, Omega Flight, and so they start throwing fists. TB fights the team for a bit before he takes hold of Shaman's pouch and uses it to pull Shaman's daughter, Talisman, from the mystic void within where she had been trapped. This good deed, however, wasn't a selfless act. He did so as payment for then taking a ring from within the pouch, his gift for Dazzler. Teleporting back to his home in France to give Dazzler the ring, TB arrives just in time to find Dazzler making her escape. While she found all of his attention rather flattering, she knows that if she remains with him much longer, she's going to fall for him, and she doesn't want to do that. She has a life to live and dreams of making it big as a rock star. So TB teleports her onto a concert stage and tells her to sing for the crowd he just created for her. She refuses, telling him that she doesn't want success this way. She wants to earn it. Which, considering that that was the big lesson he learned in the previous issue, you think TB would have realized that. Regardless, TB teleports himself and Dazzler into New York, where the Avengers appear and attack him. They are about to subdue him when Dazzler steps in and uses her light powers to distract the Avengers long enough for TB to teleport the two of them back to the mountaintop where the two got their snog on earlier in the issue. I uh, just snog it away. TB admits to Dazzler that the Avengers' attack was completely fake that he created the scenario to show her 
that because she was concerned about his well-being, she obviously cares about him. She agrees that yes, she does care about him. But next to him and his power, she is nothing. A speck. And so, TB takes half of his power and transfers it over to her so that the two can be equals. They kiss some more until she suddenly gets scared and flies away. He chases after her, snatching her from the skies above Dallas. She fights him off and transfers her powers back into him. Now, powerless, Dazzler falls, plummeting to her death on the streets of Dallas below. The Beyonder, in anguish, lashes out with such a powerful force of energy that it destroys a galaxy far, far away. His tantrum complete, TB brings Dazzler back to life. She tells him that she loves him, and soon the two are shopping for a wedding dress. It's not long, however, before the Beyonder realizes the true meaning of love, and with great sadness in his heart, releases her from his mind control. No, I mean, he literally has a way of getting into my head. That is evil. As the issue ends, he tells her, In a moment, you will forget all that happened. You will believe that we simply had a grand adventure together. An adventure that has ended. And then, I shall return you whence I found you. And it will be my turn to try to forget. And now that your rose is in bloom, a light hits the gloom on the grave. So, yeah. <laughs> That was issue number four. By the way, that synopsis was taken from MarvelFandom.com and had pretty much most of it rewritten by me. So let's talk about the issue. Start with the cover as normal. We've got the Beyonder and Dazzler surrounded by a force field of energy as the Avengers attack. Captain America is throwing his shield at them, which bounces off the energy shield. Captain Marvel has flown into the energy shield and is bouncing off, and the others are just basically attacking. It's honestly one of the few covers I remember from back when I read this, you know, all the way back then in 1985. So I guess you could consider this, in my opinion at least, a classic Secret Wars 2 cover, but it's fairly average in the, uh, the grand world of comic book covers, I guess you could say. So we start out the issue with the Beyonder kissing Sharon Ng. And while I referred to this dalliance as a one night stand, it's actually not made clear how long their quote relationship unquote lasts. But based on the text here in this opening splash page, I'm pretty sure it was a one night stand because what it says here is uh, she is Sharon Ng, heiress, actress, Jet set socialite, internationally renowned beauty. But right now, fame and fortune have no meaning to her. So lost is she in love with the man who holds her so firmly and kisses her so sensuously. Nobody does it better. I almost kind of want to throw up. Sharon Ng doesn't know who's kissing her. Not really. A man. She thinks a wonderful, incredible, unforgettable man who somehow, seemingly, magically found her and captured her heart. It is no man embracing her, however. It is the one from beyond, and he will be the death of her. And that's a bit of foreshadowing because we know that, yeah, 
she does end up committing suicide. He's very dismissive of her when they are finished uh, kissing. She, again, is in her underwear. As I said in the synopsis, it's very like Victoria's Secret type underwear. And he pulls his big leather suit on, rinses his mouth out with a water pick, and then just leaves her there. When he is up in the sky in his flying Lamborghini, he starts thinking about desire, human desire. That's what he wants to learn more about. And he wants to experiment on that idea. And so he scans the desires of every living creature on earth. And first, one that kind of stands out to him comes from a couple of issues of Thor, Thor 247 and 248, which, if I remember, because I feel like I just read those recently, that is the pair of issues where Thor goes up against Malekith, the dark elf, and he fights this big bruiser of an elf called Algrim, which is who the Beyonder refers to here, that the Algrim is at the bottom of a lava pit, which he fell into while he was fighting Thor in those issues. And he says that the mystical protective properties of his elfin armor keep him ever so slightly alive, though his body is rather thoroughly cooked and shriveled. And so the Beyonder brings Algrim back to life. And that name just makes me wonder. The, the penciler here is Al Milgram. I wonder if Algrim is kind of a play on that. Now, I don't know when this character was created. I don't know if Walt Simonson created this character specifically for those issues of Thor. I have no idea. I just found that kind of interesting. But the Beyonder brings Algrim back to life, uh, but imbues him with more power just to see how the elf will fulfill his desire and what his reaction will be when he does, which is one of his experiments. He continues on scanning the world and picking out certain people to talk about their desires from the ROM comics. He talks about a, a girl, Cindy, who has the essence of a dire wraith inside of her, and her desire is that she wants it out. Also from that series is a woman named Brandy Clark who desires to be transformed into a cyborg warrior so she can be reunited with her cyborg warrior lover, Rom, who is currently off on an interplanetary quest. He also talks about Benjamin Grimm, the Thang. What's up, Thang? Whose desires are confusing, he says, as well as unusual. That's the only explanation he gives, and we get an editor's note that says, as readers of the thing should know, we see the Silver Surfer, who desires to leave Earth but cannot. We see President Ronald Reagan, who desires tax reform a certain way. And then we see Captain America, who desires that the ideals he cherishes become reality throughout the world. It's here that the F-16s catch up with the Beyonder. And we can see that the Beyonder's flying along. He's no longer speaking into his recording device. But as in the previous issue, when he was in his limousine, he's got his Cuisinart next to him and he's feeding carrots into it because I guess he just wants to have some more carrot juice. They shoot down the Lamborghini and it is the, the, the back of it basically explodes and it's on fire and it's starting to fall to the earth. 
And so the Beyonder just steps out of it and walks through the air to the F-15 and he swaps himself with the pilot and puts the pilot into the Lamborghini, which he did so because the Lamborghini now is ruined. And as he tells the pilot, who then asks, <laughs> it's kind of funny because he's standing there in the air next to the cockpit. And he says, mister, that was uncalled for. My car is a mess now. And the pilot says to him, who are you? What are you doing driving around up here? Why were you chopping carrots? And the, the Beyonder says that? Well, I like my gadgets. They just fascinate me. That's all. Don't change the subject. Now about my car, I've got an idea. And next thing you know, he is in the pilot seat and the pilot is in the driver's seat of the Lamborghini, which lands in front of a body shop. Now, on the surface, this seems like kind of a weird scene because why would the Beyonder swap places? Why would he give up on his Lamborghini because it was shot by some missiles? I mean, he's the Beyonder. He can fix it with the snap of his fingers. But I think this really speaks to this idea that they introduced in the previous issue. And he even says it here. He likes his gadgets. He likes his toys. and Despite the fact that he is an all-powerful, godlike being, the idea of flying an F-16 just really appeals to him. So rather than fix his Lamborghini and go back to it, he decides he's going to fly this F-16 instead because why not? It's super cool. He goes to Denver to see Owen, the Molecule Man, and he lands on a street in the middle of Denver and... He is immediately mobbed by a crowd that wants to know how that jet got there. But one of the things that Jim Shooter has introduced into this series as of last issue is that the Beyonder apparently is just a super good looking dude that all the ladies want. Because as he's walking through the street here, there's a panel where he's walking by three ladies, one who says out loud, pardon me, but may I give you my card? I wrote my home phone on the back, call me sometime. And then the second woman is thinking to herself, wow, talk about brazen. He's a heart stopper, though. I guess I don't blame her. And then the third woman is thinking, wish I'd thought of that first. What a total hunk. So despite having a perm, the Beyonder is super sexy. We, of course, then get to the moment where we discover that Sharon Ng has committed suicide. He is very dismissive of her. He brings her back to life, really just to ask her why she loves him. And she explains, because of what you do for me, what you do to me, you bring me ecstasy like no one else could. You're wonderful to me. And so he figures, oh, so that's like a business deal. I, I give you something and you give me something in return. And he, at that moment, decides that he wants to experience real love, and he starts scanning the earth again for women. And as he does so, you can see in the air above him and her images of people throughout earth. And actually, he's not just scanning women. He says he's, he wants to find a partner, one of these perhaps. And Sharon is looking at these images of these people. And she's, she's like, how are you doing that? Making the pictures in the air. Hey, some of them are men. And so he quickly changes himself to be a woman and tells her, why not? 
I am innately of neither gender. I could just as easily take female form. So, but then he changes back to his male version and he says, no, I adopted the male form first and I'm used to it. So yeah, a little bit of a transgender action popping off here in the Secret Wars 2. Oh my, what would the GOP think? I, I, I do wonder if this issue had been released today, if we would be seeing a lot of headlines about the GOP bashing Marvel Comics once again for being woke. Comics gate getting all up in Marvel's face because comics just aren't like they used to be. They're all woke now. And yet this was in 1985. This is what comics used to be, folks. I just find it sad that folks who read comics at this time, 70s, 80s, and didn't become more open-minded and accepting because of it, they they just weren't paying attention. And I, I just find that sad. Anyway, the Beyonder is scanning the world for a suitable partner because <laughs> it's not going to be Sharon. And he finds the Dazzler. And so then he leaves and he tells Sharon to go. She goes out into the hallway and she's crying. And she's saying, I don't believe it. I, I just can't believe it's over. This time it's finished forever. He already has someone else just like that. I'm nothing to him. Garbage to be cast aside. How dare he? How dare he? And that's when she smashes a mirror in the hallway. But there's this one panel, which I'm not really sure the point of the inclusion of this panel. I feel like this is Jim Shooter trying to tell us, don't worry about Sharon. I know that she committed suicide earlier because of what the Beyonder did, but she's going to meet a good guy because as the elevator arrives and the doors open, you see like half of a dude from the elevator and he's saying in, in his head, what a strikingly beautiful woman and the way she carries herself so erect, so proud, like a queen. And that's that's it. That's the last we see of Sharon. And I guess we're supposed to assume that the moment she stepped on the elevator, this guy hit on her and they uh, ended up becoming a couple and getting married and she lived a happy life, no longer desiring the attentions of the Beyonder. Almost paradise. Which, if that's what he was trying to do with that one simple little panel, uh, try harder next time, Jim. But then from there... We get to the whole Dazzler thing, and the rest of the issue is just this roller coaster of events as the Beyonder tries to woo her. I mean, he teleports her out of this truck into a living room in space, teleports her then to an igloo in the Arctic where he's waiting for her naked under a freaking bearskin blanket. He then teleports her to a horse-drawn carriage in New York. And he is the carriage driver. He's also a guy on one side of the carriage in a muscle shirt and torn up jean shorts who go to hand her a bouquet of flowers. But then suddenly he's a guy on the other side of the freaking carriage in a suit who's also trying to hand her some flowers. Then suddenly he transports her to freaking Rio, then to Paris and She's really worried because she feels like they're making a scene, but he points out that's not a problem. Everybody here is me. And you can see that everybody, the waiter, other patrons, they're all him, which is just creepy. And then he 
transports her to a mountaintop where they make out. And then suddenly she wakes up the next morning in a bed in his home. But they make it very clear that she didn't sleep with him. There are three women in the room with her. Women who, I don't want to say they work for the Beyonder because one of them refers to him as the master. But she explains to Dazzler that she had a very busy day yesterday and she must have fallen asleep. And so the master brought her there to this house in the south of France and these ladies put her to bed. But again, the way she puts it is you must have fallen asleep is the master brought you here and we put you to bed. So when she arrived in this house in the south of France, she was already asleep. Who knows what happened to her between her making out with the Beyonder on a mountaintop to her falling asleep and then arriving in this house in the south of France. She goes downstairs to have breakfast with the Beyonder. Uh, Then he suddenly teleports to Canada to get her a gift. He fights the freaking Alpha Flight to then ultimately just get a ring from Shaman's pouch that he attempts to give to Dazzler. But when he arrives back at the house, He's out in the driveway and she's running down the driveway with six women chasing her down the driveway. Please, mademoiselle, please, you must not leave before the master returns. And so she explains to him that she she can't stay. She's got other things in her life she wants to do. She doesn't want to be a part of his life anymore because she knows that she will get lost in him if she does. And so he tosses the ring away. Well, I guess we don't need this anymore. And I don't know if we ever learn the origins of this ring, what this ring was all about, why he had to get it from Shaman's mystical pouch. They they don't mention the ring at all again for the rest of the issue. He takes her and teleports her from there onto a concert stage where there's a huge crowd cheering for her that he created. He then takes her from there to New York where he creates a situation where the Avengers attack him and start to win so that she would feel concerned about him and come to his defense. Thus, proving that she cares for him. He then takes her back to the mountaintop where she explains that he is so powerful that next to her, she feels like she is nothing. So he gives her half of his power. They become these weird energy beings in space and start to kiss some more. And that freaks her out. And suddenly they're back on the mountaintop and she's flying away. And then he chases her down and grabs her while she's in the skies above Dallas. She fights back gives him his powers back and then falls to the to the to the ground and dies. He uh is upset about that, destroys a galaxy far far away, brings her back to life. She tells him that she loves him. They go to shop for a wedding dress and then he gives her her mind back because he has been controlling her mind even though he said earlier that he wasn't going to do that. So I don't know if it was after she died and he brought her back to life that he was like, "All right, she keeps resisting me." And so the only way I'm going to make her love me is through mind control. And basically, he just comes off in this issue as one of these super obsessive, stocky guys that won't take no for an answer. Uh, It's just that he's got the powers of a god, which makes him even worse than just your average creepy stalker, obsessive dude. So, yeah, I don't I don't understand what Jim was trying to say. Well. I mean, what he's trying to say here is just like last issue where he, the Beyonder learned the lesson that if you want people to 
respect you. You have to earn that. If you want things in life, you have to earn it. Yet, despite learning that lesson, here he is in the very next issue, and here's something he wants from life. A woman to love and to love him. And he tries to get it. Well, actually, he does try to earn it for most of the issue. But again, obsessive, stalkery type dude, uh, really creepy. Women typically don't go for that. And yet, throughout the issue, throughout all this, while at, you know, on, on, on the one hand, she's like, no, I can't be a part of this. And she keeps trying to escape. On the other hand, she's like, oh my gosh, I just can't get enough of you. You're so handsome. And all these things you can do just make me so happy in my heart. And I just want to be with you. And no, that's why I can't be with you because I would give myself over to you completely. And I don't want to do that. But oh my gosh, you're so handsome and you'd, you're so powerful and you're just rugged. You're a he-man and, and I, I must be with you for the rest of my life. But no, I can't do that. It's just freaking insane. That whole section of this issue was just freaking insane. It was rapid fire going from moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, just packed in with all this stuff, all this crazy, the beyonder is a stalker trying to force women to love him kind of crap that it was just, it was hard to get through. And in the end, I guess, are we supposed to feel sorry for the Beyonder because he finally realizes that he can't force someone to love him? And so if you love someone, you must let them go. And so he lets her go and says very sadly at the end, and it will be my turn to try to forget. And his eyes are in shadows and he looks really sad. And I don't know if we're supposed to feel sorry for him, but I surely don't. And that's how the issue ends. Uh, not sure how the tie-in issues between issue three and issue four would have helped me understand issue four anymore, any better, any more, any more clearly. So I'm kind of sticking to my guns at this point that you can read this series, this nine-issue mini, without reading the tie-ins, because I think it's going to suck either, <laughs> either way. And we still have this issue with there's more story than room in the issue to adequately tell the story with art. And so there's a lot of small panels and a lot of small art crammed into those panels and a lot of balloons, text balloons. And it wasn't until I was kind of writing down this little speech he gives at the end that I realized that. Jim Shooter is still doing this thing that he did in Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, where every freaking sentence ends with an f- exclamation point. Every gosh darn sentence, unless it ends with a dot, 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 or a question mark. However, that very last line, and then I shall return you whence I found you, and it will be my turn to try to forget. That ends in a period, which tells us how sad that last sentence truly is. But yeah, still not a great series. And yet at the same time, I'm having kind of this perverse fun with it because it's so terrible that I'm enjoying just how terrible it is and how crazy it is and how stupid a lot of the stuff is that they are putting into this issue. And we still haven't, at least I don't feel like we, we, we have come to a key point to the to the series yet. You know, Marvel Superhero Secret Wars was the Beyonder takes a bunch of heroes and villains and puts them on this makeshift planet and says, fight each other. Whoever wins gets all they desire. That's 
that's the elevator pitch for that story. And it sounds pretty exciting. I guess the elevator pitch for this story is now the Beyonder has come to Earth and he wants to learn what it means to be a human. That sounds pretty boring. And so far, if it wasn't chock full of crazy, insane concepts and ideas that I don't think are necessarily meant to be insane or crazy. I mean, I'm sure they are to a certain point, but the fact that, yeah, so far four issues into a nine issue series, it literally just has been the beyonder learning lessons about what it means to be human, doing crazy things because he doesn't understand what it means to be a human and he's trying to learn. So he, er, he learns through trial and error. And then in the end, he, he, he figures it out. But to quote John Cougar Mellencamp, it hurts so good. Come on, baby. Make it hurt so good. So the end of the issue, we get another one of these things that tells us what tie-ins we're going to read next. It says the story continues in Dazzler number 40 as Allison Blair discovers that her involvement with the one from beyond is far from over in an action-packed thriller. There are major ramifications from the Beyonder's encounter with Alpha Flight, which are explored in Alpha Flight number 28. You'll have to see the startling consequences of the Beyonder's rescue of Talisman to believe them. And then in ROM number 72, big changes take place. Thanks to the one from beyond, Brandy Clark, Cindy Adams, and Rick Jones will never be the same again, which is pretty much a standard tagline for any comic book event. Something will never be the same again. Very standard stuff there. And then in Avengers number 261, the real Avengers tangle with the Beyonder. It's a battle royale. And then one month from now, or for us, will be next week. The threads of our epic saga are gathered again in Secret Wars number five, featuring the X-Men, the New Mutants, the Avengers, and more. Be sure to be here for despair. And I've kind of been toying with the idea uh, as I've been reading these. I know the whole point of this podcast is that I'm reading these events without reading the tie-ins, but there's a small part of me that that does want to go in and read these tie-ins. And I thought, what if I were to go ahead and read these tie-ins and record some episodes that were basically like, here's the episode that comes between issues one and two. Here's the episode that comes between issues two and three. And then maybe provided those for my folks over on the Patreon or through some kind of subscription model. I don't know. I usually don't like it when people do that. Uh, I was recently listening to a podcast where they were interviewing uh, one of my favorite creators and they get to a part of the interview where they they had at the very beginning, they they before they get to the interview, the hosts are, we're going to interview so-and-so and here's some of the stuff you're going to learn. And they tease a lot of the questions they ask during the interview. And there was one particular question. I can't remember what it was now. I think it was uh, some of this creator's favorite comic books or something like that. And, uh, or big influences, something like that. And so they get near the end of the episode and they kind of wrap up the interview. And then the hosts come back afterward and say, we also spent another hour or so with this creator to find out what their influences are, blah, blah, blah. But you'll have to go to our Patreon to listen to that. And I was right away, I was I was upset. <laughs> I just thought, all right, well, that was one of the reasons I listened to this episode. Now you're telling me that here is a big 
tease for what you really want, but we're not going to give it to you unless you pay for it. And I stopped listening to that podcast. I decided not to listen to any more episodes from them simply because of that. And yet here I am contemplating the very same idea. So I probably won't do that. You know, besides it, it's going to be a lot of extra work and I don't have a lot of time for any of that crap. So let's just ignore what I said and instead plan on being back here next week when we talk about Secret Wars 2 issue number five, which is entitled Despair. And to give you a little tease on the cover of issue five, there's a little text box that says the Beyonder bites the dust. So that should be fun or insane or probably both. But until then, folks, bye. Event or Else is a Stephen or Else production. Find more great podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to eventorelse at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash stephenrorr. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to get you and your fellow patrons episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. There's your snort. Uh, that may go at the end of the sentence. It better. Go away.